Yes, hello, this is Giant Cocktails, episode number two. I'm Matthew, and no, I'm not Matthew, I'm Ben. I'm with Matthew. <laughs> yes, someday we'll get the names right after knowing each other for 40 plus years. It's episode two, man. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're still figuring things out like, like our own names. That's how all the great ones started, I'm sure. Learning their own names. <laughs> exactly. Getting the names wrong? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, so this is Giant Cocktails, where we talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And this is episode two. And, and when we talked about in episode one, which we don't even know if episode one is ever going to go live. So this might be the mythical or lost episode one. This might be the mythical lost episode number two. We don't really know. But what we talked about a lot in the first episode was just how awkward it is making a podcast and, and some of the meta things that are involved in making a podcast and how hard that is. And one of the things that we learned from the first episode was how to edit a podcast, right? And one of the things that we learned was how much you and I, especially myself, use verbal crutches while we're speaking. And I can already tell you that in the last 30 seconds, I must have forced myself not to say, um, uh, or, you know, at least 30 times, maybe once per second. I think my brain is about to melt right now. <laughs> well, the editing, Matthew, appreciates your efforts because I got to tell you how much effort it took to try and make you sound eloquent. I don't think anything in the world can make me sound eloquent, <laughs> but I thank you for trying. Thank you for trying. You're welcome. Cause I was like, Damn it, I'm going to make Ben sound eloquent. <laughs> and 60 ums later, I'm like, maybe a little stupidity is okay. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Uh... <laughs> yes. So I see you're making, you know, we are doing this. We can see each other while we are, while we right. are podcasting. And I can see that you are making your cocktail as we speak. That is Tip correct. Typical Ben waiting until after the, the, the project was due to actually start. Uh, but what what are you making? Well, sir, I am making a homemade cocktail that I like to call the Bloody Colon. Now, I, I, I named it this never assuming that I was actually going to tell anybody what the name of this cocktail was. It was just sort of my own little amusement. It, it, it's a rum drink. It's a rum Hawaiian. It's like it's like a rum pineapple drink. So it's like a tropical drink, and it has rum. It has Cointreau. I suppose you could stick some other, you know, off, you know, low, low or bottom shelf uh, triple sec in there if you wanted. So I've got uh, white rum, uh, triple sec, pineapple juice. And then I have a shot of cherry bitters and a shot of lemon bitters. Oh, there's also a little bit of lemon juice in here. And then what I do is I take some really fancy cocktail cherries and I take the syrup. I take two of those cherries and I put them on a cocktail toothpick. And there has to be two of them because that's the two dots in a colon like when you're writing. But then you take a bunch of the syrup from the from the cherries and you drizzle those heavily into the cocktail. This is a very sweet cocktail. I like sweet cocktails, you know, so sue me. Uh, and then so it's filled up with the you got the two cherries just in there. And then there's just this, this cherry syrup that kind of like 
flows down from the top and then kind of spreads out of the bottom of the rocks glass. And so it looks, well, it looks pretty cool actually, but, uh, but you know, to me, I just, I thought I was being cute when I whispered to myself, and I'll call it the bloody colon because it looks like a colon, get it? And then I laughed at myself. And now yep. I'm telling you and our zero listeners about it. So I'm feeling less proud of the name now. But yes, that is what I'm drinking. The bloody colon. What are you drinking? Well, first, before I tell you that, I, I am so thankful that it's that type of colon. Because <laughs> when you first said the bloody colon, I I, uh, well, I had other visions in my mind. So thank you for that. Uh, but I am drinking a whiskey smash which uh, includes a couple ounces of bourbon. And instead of simple syrup, I put some maple syrup. And uh, But before I did that, I muddled some mint and lemon uh, and mixed it all together and poured it over some crushed ice. And it is lovely. I am enjoying it very much right now. Sounds good, actually. I'm a big fan of the mint julep, which is a, basically the same. I mean, similar, similar... Similar vibe. A lot more yeah. ice. Yeah. Okay, so those are the cocktails. On with the rest of the show. What yeah, we, let's what talk about do? Giants. Let's talk about the Giants. Well, this has been a you know, fun week. Uh, starting to see some some position players. And uh, one of the things that, that dawned on me is, as I'm watching, particularly as I'm watching Tommy LaStella. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Tommy because... He's new, uh, was signed to be a kind of a utility infielder, a jack-of-all-trades, if you will. He could play a yep. number Get of positions. Guy. Yep. And and most importantly is he's left-handed. Uh, he hits left-handed. Yep. And yep. so so when he got in, I was wondering, you know, what, were the, what was the plan for Listella? And the more I'm watching what's going on in the spring, uh, I am... I am under the impression now that Lestella is going to be our regular third baseman and not not Evan Longoria. And the reason I say that is because Evan is obviously he's right-handed he, and and I did look up. I looked up their splits, both Lestella's and Longoria's splits uh, against left-handers and right-handers. And Lestella has a lifetime average against right-handers of over 300. I think it was 308. Yep. And and Longoria has had last year, I looked just his last year's numbers, he hit uh, left-handers at a 303 clip. Yep. And so so I'm thinking that Lestella is going to get the bulk of the playing time against right-handers at third base. And our $18.5 million man uh, is going to be a bench player. For the most part, uh, a spot starter against our and against the uh, the lefties. Uh, and now I say this thinking ahead to to April first when we kick off the season against Seattle. Uh, I heard recently that the top three starters for the Mariners are actually left-handed, and so the Giants might see only left-handers in the first three games of of their of the of the season. Right. So the lineup that we see. To so start Evan Longoria is going to be your opening day starter. He What's the problem? Be... <laughs> That's right. Problem. And so he's it's going to look like business as usual. But I think as soon as we start seeing some right-handers, I think Evan's going to be sitting. And you know, and that's that wouldn't have happened, I think, in the olden days pre-Zaidi. 
because damn it, they paid Longoria a lot of money and he was going to play uh, no matter what. And, and, and that's, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm digging too deeper into that, but, but what do you think? What do you think about? Well, you, I, you know how I feel about these sorts of things. It, it, that's that's a sunk cost, right? You you can't make your money back by forcing a, a a bad player to continue to play. And I'm not saying Evans a bad player by any means, but right, you know, a bad contract doesn't become a good contract by forcing the player to play. It, it in fact makes a bad problem worse, right? So, I think you know, money is what you used to believe. What the player is doing right now is reality, and you have to accept reality. I do agree that a lot of teams get caught up in the whole he's, we're spending that much money on him, so he's going to play. I, I think there's a couple things, though, that we need to remember about Longoria. Number one, that's not the Giants didn't give him that contract, right? The Rays did. And the the Giants, uh, you know, made, a, made that move for a lot of reasons. And, and, and yeah, I think the other thing that we need to remember was the previous regime, right, that made it. So in a, in a lot of ways, it's not really, I don't think it's hard for the current leadership to make those sorts of choices because bringing Longoria in, choosing to spend that much money on him was not their call to begin with. So I don't feel like they have, they don't have anything to prove and they're not trying to, you know, to stick by their guns by any stretch because it wasn't their decision to bring him in. So, so that's, that's, you know, I, I think that's how I feel about just, just the money situation. But when you look at the two players in general, I think it is obvious that Longoria is not going to be the main guy at third base. I believe that Tommy Lestella is going to be your primary third baseman, and he's going to be your primary leadoff guy. I agree that there might be days where Longoria plays instead of Lestella, and maybe it'll even be a true platoon, but I suspect that Longoria is making his way to be the veteran from the bench kind of guy. And, you know, he might really thrive in that role. And it's nice to have a veteran bat who can, who has some pop to be able to come off the bench. And so I, I do think that that, that is probably where he's destined to go. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I, I, I think one of the really interesting things with the group of players that they have in camp right now, on the infield especially, is their versatility, right? One of the things that I think will also impact Longoria in the early season is whether or not Brandon Belt is ready to go on opening day, right? I don't know how a man gets mono and COVID during one off season, but you know, honestly, Brandon, weird things happen to Brandon Belt all the time. So seems pretty much par for the course for the guy. Yeah, this was uh, very a very Brandon off season. <laughs> right. So so he very well may not be ready to go on opening day, and Tommy Listella can play first base. Right. So in that case, you might have you might see Listella at first base and and Longoria at third until the situation with Brandon Belt. And, stabilizes so i think there's a possibility there and and you know I, I think when you add in the rest of them you have all kinds of other options you know Lestella can play second you have and then you have dubon who can move from the outfield to the infield as well so you have so much flexibility that i, I think it's on the one hand i say yes i think Lestella is going to be your primary third uh, third baseman on the other hand i think we don't really know my hope is that they will see how things roll and they'll put the best guys out there every single day based on how they're performing, not 
what a bunch of pieces of paper say. But I think that that's my hope, and I, I think they've built a really flexible and and uh, versatile infield that allows them to do that. So, so I think you know there is a situation where Longoria could play a ton, especially if there are injuries. That being, and and I think there is somewhat of a potential that there will be injuries, right? First of all, Brandon Belt, notwithstanding, right, the guy's always got something going on every year. It seems like that takes him out for for twenty plus games. And then Crawford is getting up there in age. Longoria is obviously old. He's battling plantar fasciitis, which apparently he's battled his whole career. I can tell you, I've had plantar fasciitis, uh, and it's extremely painful. I think that's basically the injury that that made Peyton Manning retire from the NFL, right? So it's an extremely painful condition, and it doesn't always just go away, and there is no you know, cure for it. There's no treatment that really may, it just hurts really, really badly. So it should be interesting to see whether Longoria can even go 162 games. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I think Listella's the guy, but I also think you're going to see a lot of people moving around the infield. Well, I think, yeah, that infield is made to move around you know trying to look at who's going to be the starting second baseman is it going to be Solano or Flores because then you know Flores can also I, I think they want him to be able to play third I think last year there there were there was some doubt whether he could do that you know make those strong throws across the diamond uh, but he is someone that you know they want his bat in the lineup so I think that you know, all of the infielders have a lot of you know versatility there. Uh, Crawford obviously will bat against most. He had a good season last year. No reason to think that you know, he can't repeat this year. Although you know, father time you know rests for no one. But uh, we'll see. And and after you know, who's spelling him? Is it going to be Solano or Flores or Dubon? You know, uh, coming in from center field. Uh, but then you know that then Yastrzemski plays center. You know, how, how does all that work out? It's going to be interesting to see, you know, once we get into the season, how all the parts, you know, mm-hmm. fit together and on a day-to-day basis, because there's so many options right now. And I think that's what they wanted. But once you get into the actual playing time, then you got to figure out some, some consistency maybe in terms of how you utilize those players. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think Solano is probably the guy they're going to want to go with. I, you know, he, he played so well last year and I think that he's definitely going to be the guy they want to pencil in. Clearly they want Flores in the lineup. I, yeah. I mean, I, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's a good, it's a good problem to have. I just, you know, I think the the question mark is, is they don't, they don't really fully have a clear, concise answer to, to what the actual lineup is going to be. But, you know, maybe they don't need to because I honestly, you know, just the way Major League Baseball is like somebody's always hurt. And yeah. and so I think this is actually I'm actually really excited, honestly, about this, about this infield. I, I think it really is very flexible and versatile. There's a lot of good options. I love the fact that Dubon can move back and forth from the the infield to the outfield. They've really invested a lot in him playing in the outfield. And I think he's finally comfortable out there. Um, I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see what they do with him long term. Does he is he really the the shortstop of the future, or do they see him as some sort of super sub in the long run who can play anywhere and that makes him more versatile? Somebody who you can sneak into the lineup, you know, but it's never really going to be you know a big star hitter. 
but you know anyway i i do i'm really excited about about the the lineup in general i do think it, third base is a bit of a question mark i i do wonder about how much contributions you're going to get out of that position from a day-to-day -day basis i think uh the you know how much are you going to get out of your third outfielder and then the question mark really for me for the entire giants roster is how healthy do they stay you know, I, I think there's a huge history of injuries on this team. And remember, last year was great. They 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 surprised. They they really, I think, played above people's expectations for a significant portion of the season. But it was only 60 games, and they're going to play 100 more games than that this year. And I think that's really going to to show in the long run and in terms of depth. And I think some of these guys are probably going to go down and and. I don't know. I don't, you know, at some point, I think you're just going to be what seems like versatility is suddenly going to be look like moving the chairs around on the, the Titanic. So yeah, I don't know. Well, wow, that got dark at the end. I don't know. <laughs> well, I leave it to you to be the, the dark one. I think uh, I'm, I'm definitely the optimist. And I, and I think that, I mean, you mentioned being excited about the infield. I, I'm really intrigued by the outfield as well. I think, you know, Yastrzemski has been so much fun to just watch oh, just because of his story and how he came out of nowhere and he's got the name and 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 he continues to rake. And so it's it's been fun to see that. I love Dickerson. And you talk about injury prone. Right. But I I, I love him when he's healthy and uh, hopefully he can continue to to produce because I think with those two, uh, then you start to have a pretty solid outfield. You know, right field will, or I guess center field you know, with Debone. Uh, he's if he put on some weight, looks like he's a little stronger this uh, you know during the off season. It seems like he he put on some weight, so it'll be interesting to see his hit tools and where he goes with that because he can clearly play center field, but can he provide a little pop? Can he provide? you know, an on base percentage over, you know, over 300, you know, those are the things that I'm, I'm still not sold on him. I, I like him, but I feel like he hasn't really proven it yet. And I think he's a question mark for me. Uh, you know, but then you've got, you've got guys like Slater and who's also been you know injury prone, but, you know, seems like he's ready to, you know, come out, of, come out and play a little bit. So, uh, and then, and then you've got guys like Darren Ruff, who's, I think is probably that, that, that guy that's on the bubble but he can play first base and, you know, and he, and he's right-handed, you know, opposite of belt. And, you know, so I think that there's some, there's some versatility there that they like about, and, and he played pretty well last year, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious how that outfield's going to settle in once the season starts. Right. Well, like I said about Dubon, I, I think he, he rates really highly as a super sub and I don't, I don't think, we should expect him to be to be much more than that in his career and i think a lot of people might think that that's a disappointment i, I you know the, the fact of the matter is you know superstars are rare not every player not every acquisition is going to be a superstar what the giants gave up to get dubon was relatively cheap in retrospect right so so i think that you know, if he becomes a super sub who can play the outfield and the infield, then I think that's a big win. And that that's the kind of player that you're going to want to keep around for a long time. We might be seeing Maurizio Dubon for a long time. 
if he continues to fill that role as a giant, because you're just going to want to have somebody who gives you that flexibility. So I think Dubon is, if he continues to fill that super utility role, I think he's a great fit. And I, I like him right where he is. I love Yastrzemski and I love Dickerson. I, I think those two guys are just, they're great hitters and they're exciting and fun to watch. And the, the team loves them, right? They're great teammates and they are fun to watch. I also love their stories. I love the fact that they both kind of came out of nowhere and we got them for nothing. And I will tell you that is the magic that Farhan Zaidi can, uh, can accomplish, right? Look, he gave up, he got those guys for nothing and they are what the core of our lineup now. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, if, if not for those two guys, the giants would be much, much worse. And they were, they had one of the better lineups in major league baseball last season with those guys leading the way, you know, they both are risky, right? The reason they were able to get both the guys, those guys for so cheap is because of their history of injuries. So the question mark is, can they play a full 162 um, uh, game season um, without significant time lost? And, and we don't know, uh, but I hope that they can. And, and if they do, I think the Giants lineup is going to be extremely solid. Even, I'm super excited about Yastrzemski, right? Because, you know, his rookie season, he kind of, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere, surprised everybody. The real question mark for a, a guy is what does his sophomore season look like? And granted, it was only 60 games, but he was legit, right? Yeah. He was the best Giants hitter. And, and he was a serious threat. And in a lot of games, you know, even though the Giants had one of the best scoring lineups in baseball, you know, a lot of games, a lot of managers felt like he was the only guy they really had to worry about. So that makes me super excited, excited about him because that means it wasn't, he's not a fluke. Yeah. Right. He's the real thing. And I think we, you know, I think that's, that's nobody doubts that. Yeah. Anymore. So I love those two guys and I'm super excited. I think we don't really know who the third guy is going to be. Is it going to be Dubon? Is it going to be, uh, you know, I really like Slater a ton. I just wish the guy could stay healthy. It always seems like he gets hurt. It's just the wrong possible moment for himself. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. and I think Steven Duggar falls into that camp too. And I, I think he's probably, unfortunately, you know, reach the point now where, where he's on the outside looking in, although he is really still strong, very, def very strong defensively. So I don't think we can throw him quite out of the mix, but I think rough is out. I think um, that new acquisition whose name is escaping me at the moment. Lamont Wade. Yeah. Lamont Wade. Yeah. Lamont Wade. Uh, I, I don't know enough uh, about him uh, to say, but I, I, I feel like, He's probably not going to be there. I, I think, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It should be interesting. I think they got a lot of tough decisions. I, I, I don't, I mean, on the downside, there's no, there's no obvious answer on the upside. I think it's, there's a lot of exciting options, I, you yeah. know, and, and I think when it comes to offense, I do think this team is going to score a lot of runs so long as they stay healthy and they don't have fall offs from the veteran players. And and gosh, if if Buster Posey comes back, yeah, like anywhere close to the Posey that we remember, then I think they're going to be a real. They're going to score a lot of runs. I think they're going to give up a lot of runs too, though. 
um, I think they're gonna they're gonna it's gonna be tough. Okay. <laughs> I do think they're gonna give up a lot of runs. Cool. But I know, I know um, next week we're hoping to talk about the starting rotation, so we, we can we can jump into that a little bit then. But you haven't right, mentioned yeah. you haven't mentioned my boy Elliot Ramos, <laughs> and I love Wait, that kid. Is it is it twenty twenty four already? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's playing like what? he wants to play. He wants a spot, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I I think he's gonna make it. You know, yeah. I don't I don't think he'll start the season uh, on the roster, yeah. but I I think he will be with the club at some point this year. Yeah, as you've pointed out, we've got some guys that tend to get injured. Uh, I think there will be opportunity for him, and I think if he continues to play the way he's been playing the spring, I think there'll be a spot for him. And I'm uh. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I I I'm, I'm excited about having the opportunity to have a homegrown potential like stud. You know, it's it's been a while, and he he excites me. I'm really excited to see what he can do. And uh, so I, yeah, I don't think he'll make the opening day roster, but I I won't be surprised if we see him this year. Yeah, and and one thing you mentioned about the outfield was you know about you know Zaidi's ability to to find these guys on the cheap and it's interesting because i hear a lot of fans talking about how we haven't gone after or gotten the big free agents uh we haven't spent the money on those guys which is stupid because we offered a crap load of money to what bryce harper and uh, maybe even machado you know and uh and you know i know that you know uh, yastrzemski outplayed harper last year the last two years so yeah i feel like yeah, spending money on big-time free agents is good if they produce, but really what you want is good baseball players, and who cares how you get them, right? And and so that's where I see. I mean, we are two seasons ago, we had Connor Joe as our starting left fielder, right? And and this year we've got we've got choices. I mean, there's going to be some tough cuts. I mean, what a huge transformation we've made in just a couple of years. So I, I think the outfield is uh, light years ahead of where we were just a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I'm glad we didn't sign Harper in retrospect. Um, I would have liked to see Machado. I mean, well, <laughs> over, over Longoria. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do respect over, to Mr. Lastella. I think, yes, we'd both over, like over most guys, over most guys. Not to say that Harper was obviously a bad signing at the time, but I, you know, I'm glad they didn't sign him, uh, just because, you know, I don't think Harper is ever going to be the player that he was in Washington. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that this, the the rest of Harper's career is going to be at the same level, and I think that they overspent for sure. Now, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I do think that that was money thrown away i do think there's a little bit of them trying to wait and see right if they had gone out and bought a huge contract where they're going to spend a lot of money on one guy during his prime the problem is that they might have done that at the wrong time right, right? and that money can do value good things elsewhere it can be spread around to make the team competitive but it can also be spent at the minor league level, developing players, signing younger players, right? So it's it's important to remember that money that doesn't get spent at the major league level still get might get spent somewhere else, and that's still going to help your team in the long run. And I think if they had signed somebody like Harper or Machado, it, you would have wasted those guys' prime years or best most productive years on that contract at the very least, 
at a time where they're still going to fall, you know, they're going to at best compete for a wild card and be put into a situation where they have to play a winner takes all game just to be, you know, and, and then battle their way all the way from there. I don't think as much as we all want the quick fix, as much as we all want to see rock stars come in, um, be brought in every season, it, it doesn't make sense to do that at that time. So I'm glad that they didn't. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski and, and Dickerson were tremendous pickups. Now, those kind of pickups are not the norm, obviously. I think uh, a lot of people are probably out there trying to find those players to, to make an impact on their teams uh, every year. Uh, but it clearly, clearly, uh, Zaidi knew those guys and knew what he was looking for. And he gambled, right? He was like, these guys are injured. The other teams that they play for are frustrated with them or just aren't willing to invest in them. We have nothing to lose because, you know, yeah, we have Connor Joe, a, a, a rule, five, rule five draftee as our, you know, in our starting day lineup. That's, you know, when you're in that situation, you can afford to make some gambles and they paid off. And, and, and I think that's, that's great because I love those stories. So uh, I agree, and I totally agree with you. I, I think, I think if we had gone out after a big uh, free agent signee at that time, it would have been the wrong time. It's also why I think bringing up somebody like Elliot Ramos now uh, is also the wrong timing. The guy's not even twenty-two years old. He's got a long career ahead of him. He hasn't really performed consistently yet at the minor league level. Yes, he had a couple of good weeks this and at the you know in in the major league camp, and that makes everybody excited. But you know, I once got two hits in a game in little league, and if you'd seen me play in that game, you would have thought, "Wow, that kid's a 500 hitter." But I think those are the only two hits I ever got in little league. So the point is, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yes, he hit two home runs in one game. That doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. And it also doesn't mean he's ready yet. And, you know, unfortunately, for better or for worse, there are really good contractual reasons for the Giants not to bring him up uh, until, until certainly he should not start the season with the team because they'll be, they'll be losing, you know, one year of free agency at the end of his career, at the end of his uh, uh, you know, initial contract. If they do that. Secondly, you know, to what end are they going to be competitive this year? And I know, I think you and I disagree, and maybe we should talk about that next. But are they going to be super competitive enough? And is he going to be good enough to and be able to compete at a major league level and contribute and help the Giants be a contender so that they can make it to the playoffs? this year and i think the answer is no not because and i think that's for a number of reasons one i don't think he's ready two i don't think the giants are good enough and for that reason i think he should spend the entire season at the minor league level unless he absolutely proves that i'm wrong and proves everybody else that, that they're wrong and absolutely has to be brought up until then i think we 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 wait until next season and then we see him come up mid-year, but then only if he can help us win then. And that's what I think the, the best that we should expect out of, out of him. And I know we've been waiting a long time for him, but he, that's, that's, what, that's what happens when you sign guys when they're, what, 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I, yeah, and, and I am excited to see him. I, I get that there's business 
uh, considerations as well. As a fan, that's not necessarily the fun part of it. You want to see the guys play. I, you know, I remember the you mentioned that it reminded me of Chris Bryant with the Cubs, and you know, getting you know having to wait until you know into the season before they brought him up, even when he was clearly ready. And I'm not saying that that Ramos is clearly ready, but I feel like that time is coming, and they're going to have to you know make a move at some point. Right, uh, and, and and the reason that that matters actually is that there's a, a rule that how many games you have to play in a season or rather how many games you have to spend with the major league club club in a season to qualify for a full season of play. And that factors in to how long it takes you to qualify for free agency rather than arbitration. It means that the club can have control over you for an entire season more if they wait like roughly 45 games into the season to bring you up. So that's why you see teams do this, right? That's why you see teams wait to bring up their star prospects until midway through their uh, a season. They're waiting for that special day to pass where that that season does not count as a year against them qualifying for free agency. And I honestly, I think that that sucks. That sounds horrible. sounds like a horrible thing that you can do to somebody. I'm going to hold you here at a place where you're not living out your dream and you're making way less money. Right. So I can benefit and I get to hold on to you for another year, you know, six years from now. That that sucks, but that's just the way it, it the system is. Well, and, and that, think, that system was collectively bargained. So it's not like it was just, you know, yes. made, you know so well, yeah, major, major league players tend to look out for themselves. They don't care about the minor leaguers, right? Yeah, so. I was just going to say, I don't really want to talk too much about collective bargaining. Unfortunately, I think we're going to have to talk about it a lot as the year goes on. Yeah. Uh, and as we get into next, uh, you know, the off season, but yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me that that established veteran major league baseball players made it harder for rookies to to get paid, uh, yeah. or minor leaguers to get paid. Uh, yeah, that's not a surprise, right? Well, so you mentioned uh, that we might have a difference of opinion on how great the Giants do this year, and I use the term "great" because I I am bullish on on the the Giants this year. I. You know, last year they were what a couple games under 500, and and this year they look remarkably different. I mean, they've had some key changes. I mean, their rotation for one, no more Samarja, right? And I know we didn't have him for a lot of time last year, but just the fact that that he was even within our vicinity, I think, sucked the the energy out of out of the team. Um, that's how much I hate Jeff Samarja. So you know, they brought in a bunch of 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 guys to, to fill those slots. And uh, for a while there, I was wondering, you know, who were they going to bring in because they waited a little while, but it seems like, you know, once they got Gosman to, to, to sign, uh, then, you know, they started bringing in people that, you know, have, you know, again, they're kind of like the Dickerson and Yastrzemski's of, of the starting, you know, of, of starting pitching. And you've got guys like Disclafani and, you know, and, and I, I feel like, you know, we've got some players that are a Alex Wood, uh, you know, I think is another that, you know, improves who we were last year. Uh, yes, we still have Johnny Cueto, uh, who was uh, statistically one of the worst starting pitchers in the National League last year. Uh I, I read recently that they're trying to get him to throw his changeup more. 
uh, this year, uh, which has been a, his most successful pitch. Uh, and then the spring, he's actually hitting 94 on the gun, which is about two miles per hour faster than last year. So I have hope that this rotation is better and I haven't even mentioned I, th I think Logan Webb we'll get into the rotation I think more next week but Logan Webb is someone that you know it looks like he's primed to help the team on a more consistent basis so I I'm feeling optimistic about the pitching for one uh, I think our lineup is stronger for one we've well, the pitching also because we have a veteran catcher back now, one of the best of all time, you know, to handle the pitching squad. So I feel like that is a is a plus. Uh, so I think that there's there is a lot of reasons to think that we should improve on that. You know, what was it? Uh, Thirty, what twenty nine and thirty two, thirty one game, uh, you know, record last year. So, you know, I'm I'm pegging us. At 85 wins this year, and 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 I I feel like we'll be in the running for the second wild card. Uh, that's that's and and I and I know that we've, we're in a tough division, uh, you know, and and you're not going to get you're probably not likely to get two wild cards out of you know the same division, but but I feel like we've made some great improvements, and I feel like that those improvements are worth at least five games and so you know over 162 games i guess i should say so i want to hear why you mr downer feel like the giants aren't ready to to compete for the playoffs this year well i i have a bunch of reasons first of all let's talk about uh, which, so as you mentioned, we're going to talk about pitching next week more in depth, but I, I really do feel like that is the area where we have the biggest question mark. I, I think the back half of the rotation is a huge question mark. I don't think that we can expect a lot of a significant improvement there. Now, I would argue also that we didn't have a back half of the rotation last year, right? We had maybe two or three starters, and then after that, it was every game was like, let's have every pitcher pitch two innings and just see what happens. That puts a lot of pressure on your bullpen. I don't think that we have anything different this year, and I also don't know that we have a team leadership that wants to have anything different. I think they like going to the bullpen every two innings every 10 to 18 batters right nobody can face more than 18 batters ever it's a sin apparently in Gabe Kapler's world that puts a lot of pressure on your your bullpen right your bullpen has to be good all the way through if you're going to rely on your bullpen carrying most of the weight Right. The idea with having starting pitchers and the reason that starting pitchers even came about is because some guys were way better at pitching than others. Right. And you want to have your best players play most of the game. Now, yes, people get fatigued. And then in pitching, you know, you get used to what a guy is throwing. And that certainly has an impact. And that's definitely part of the game. And yes, you have specialists who can throw maybe 20 to 50 pitches, and then they're toast, but they can come back after two days and do it again. So yes, I understand it's not that simple. 
but I still think it requires that you have a bullpen that is is much stronger. And I think right now the Giants' bullpen, while it has improved this year, is still a big question mark. I mean, they're talking about having this, you know, the 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 what is it the uh, the taxi between uh, Sacramento and San Francisco. When the back part of your bullpen is the Sacramento Mudcats, I don't think you can argue that it's a good one. And that back end of the bullpen for the Giants is going to have to carry a lot more innings. So I feel like that is going to be a huge reason why the Giants are going to, they're going to give away games when those guys are on the mound. Uh, that's that's reason number one. Reason number two is I really think the injury bug's going to jump up and jump, you know, get the Giants, and and maybe that's kind of just crystal ball uh, stuff. But I I do think that they have a lot of risk of losing significant players to injury, and and I think you know if they lose the wrong guys, it could be really disastrous, especially on the offensive side. So I think injury is a huge risk, especially going from a sixty game season to one hundred and sixty two game season, and having an older uh, an older lineup, an older, an older roster, right? So I do believe that that is a huge, uh, a huge risk, and I think it'll eventually factor in, and and so that's my my second reason. My third reason as to why the Giants are not going to win eighty five games. I think they'll win seventy nine, and that's being positive. I think the Giants will win seventy nine games. Uh, the reasons, the reason number three why they won't win more than that is the San Diego Padres. And the number four reason is is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have to play 38 games against those guys. And, you know, I think it's asking a lot that they play 500 ball against them. And yes, on the other hand, (laughs) on the other hand, they do get to play the Colorado Rockies for 19 games and they might go 19 and 0 against those guys. So that would certainly make up for it. The, the, the problem is, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers get to play the Rockies too. And so it's, um, I, it's, just, it's just a really tough division to be in right now. They have two of the, if not the very best teams in the National League. They have the best team in the National League and maybe the third or fourth best team in the National League in their division. And so that means they're going to have to be better, surprise everybody and be better than one of those guys. Or, or finish third place and be better than everybody else, and I just, I just don't see that happening. I, I think, I think they are going to be competitive. I think they're going to put, uh, they're going to put up a lot of runs. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I think they're going to be in the hunt, but I think they're just not going to have enough steam come mid to late August and then into September. All right. Well, I I feel like. That rotation, that rotating through the well, you said the back end of the bullpen being part of the Sacramento Mudcats, I think is by design, right? And and last year we had you know Gott and whoever blowing games for us and Coonrod, Coonrod, that's right. I I hated him so much I blocked out his name, but uh, you know, so I feel like we already had some pretty sucky back end of the bullpen players last year, and I feel like we've improved on that, and and you know the fact that we have these relievers that have options that they can move in and out means that they'll be fresh. We'll have guys that have, they're proven to be, you know, major league pitchers who can get major league hitters out. And so I, I feel like that the back end of the bullpen is going to be strong enough. I also feel like our offense is, you know, going to be 
a lot better than maybe not a lot better, but it, a better than it was last year. I mean, for Posey coming back uh, is a is an upgrade at catcher, and so I I feel like the the Giants are a better team than people give them credit for. And I will say this: what people forget about last year is I think we started off eight and sixteen last year, and so. You know, we sucked at the beginning of the year, and then by the end of the year, we were one of the most, we were one of the the, the better offensive teams in the in the in the majors, and particularly the National League. and And I feel like that's gotten only better this year. Now, granted, health is always you know the big question mark, but I I think as they stand as a team, I feel like this team can put up runs. And I think the pitching will be good enough uh, to get to 85 wins. Now, whether that's enough to get into the playoffs, I don't know. But I feel like you know we've we've uh, we are a better team than people get us credit for. And and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them play. I think that uh, I think we're gonna. Part of me feels like just because you've got a really good team on paper, like the Padres do, and like the Dodgers do, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the better team, you know, at the end of the season for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, you know, injuries and and all that. Now the Dodgers have proven that they're they're pretty consistently have been the best team in the National League for a while, so uh, you know, no reason to doubt them. But I want to I want to see the Padres actually do it because you know, um, you know, over 60 games last year, I know, but. You know, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, I, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think you could have said that two seasons ago. Prove it to me. I think they proved it. <laughs> you think so? Sixty games. I think I. Well, I mean, you know, if the Giants get credit for their sixty games, I think all they right, get credit for their sixty. Okay, games. but but the Dodgers don't get credit for their sixty. Games. No, no, the, the Dodgers don't get credit for their sixty games. Well, I give the Dodgers credit for their sixty games. I just don't want to talk about any of the games after those first sixty. <laughs> all right. Well. Particularly those last ones. Well, we have been talking for a long time. How about we wrap this one up? Yeah, sounds good. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. I am looking forward to another week of Giants baseball and talking with you again next week. Yeah, and we can talk about that rotation and maybe I can, you know, uh, change my mind on, on how, how good or not good the Giants will be this season. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we'll do a deeper dive into into the rotation, and and maybe I'll see something that uh, that, that changes my mind. I don't, I'm not going to see anything that changes. No, my you're mind. not. But, you're not. But but no. stay tuned to see if Ben changes his mind. <laughs> that's right. You'll want to be there because if he does, it will be a momentous occasion. That's right. That's right. First of all, I won't admit it, so you'll have to just detect it on your own. <laughs> all and, right. It very rarely happens. And, you know, tune in yeah, to see what cocktails we're drinking next week as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.